Which young players for the Denver Broncos, either second-year players or rookies this upcoming season, can emerge into foundational pieces for the Broncos on offense or on defense? We're going to bring up a couple of names. We're going to tell you why we think they can on today's brand-new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking about foundational players for this Broncos football team. We've talked about offensive players, defensive players, but what about the young players who can maybe make up the future of this franchise going forward? You'll get all that on today's episode of the show. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantly orange, Com. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss out on an episode as soon as it's made available. We have you covered every single day, all year long, because for the true fan, there is never an offseason. So let's talk about this, Sarah. Let's open up the door here. When we look at maybe second-year players that are on the Broncos roster here, or we look at potential rookies and young guys in general who we think can make up a nucleus for this franchise, I think a lot of it is very, very interesting when you look at it in terms of who makes up the foundation? What is a foundational player? I feel like if you're an everyday, you know exactly what we mean by that. Someone who will lead by example that position, be a premier name at that position for quite some time. And I think that really opens things up for Greg Dulcich to kick the door down in this conversation with all the talent that he has, not only just as a football player, as a tight end, but also the leadership qualities that he also possesses. He, I think he really has a great opportunity this year, Cody. And why is that? It's because I think right now, you could argue that the Broncos wide receiver one position is kind of open or not necessarily. Let's not call it wide receiver one. Let's say that person who's going to end up leading the team in targets, that person who's going to be the featured option in the passing game. Could that end up being Greg Dulcich? I mean, we've been talking a lot about Jerry Judy, Portland Sutton, Tim Patrick, but I think Greg Dulcich, as much as we like to talk about him as potentially that breakout guy at the tight end spot, not a lot of people are maybe talking about him as that person who could really emerge in the passing game as maybe that top target. And based on what Sean Payton said about him at OTAs, it kind of gets the ball rolling in terms of thinking in that direction. Maybe wondering, could he end up being somebody who does do that, like a Travis Kelsey type who leads your team in targets and effectively is your wide receiver one? I mean, Greg Dulcich has that kind of skill set, doesn't he? He can make plays after the catch. He can move the chains, you know, in any sort of third down situation. He could be effective in the red zone. He can be effective on downfield plays where he's in contested catch situations. So he's not necessarily a, a typical wide receiver one, but like in today's NFL, you could have 10 different teams and 10 different shapes and sizes of players who lead that team in targets. We, we talk about Travis Kelsey and there were some comparisons given to Dulcich about Kelsey coming out of college, right? When he was at UCLA, a lot of people said, maybe he's got a little Travis Kelsey to his game. And so you could have guys like Travis Kelsey leading your team in targets. You could be a team like the, the Los Angeles Chargers where Austin Eckler leads your team in targets. You could be the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's Deontay Johnson. So like those are three very different types of players. Justin Jefferson, another different type. I mean, so you, you just look at all these different kinds of players. Why not Greg Dulcich maybe being that top guy for the Denver Broncos? 
when we talk about the Joker role, I think so many people are trying to figure out what the hell is that role even going to look like? And I'll, I'll give fans a little bit of an insight, a little bit of a preview. It just means that he's going to essentially be positionless, which isn't a bad thing. It means he's going to be doing a little bit of everything here for the Broncos. And that could either be being in line with his hand in the dirt as a tight end. He could be lined up in the slot as, you know, on a trips formation, he could be the number three guy. He could line up in twins as the number two guy, or he can line up on the outside as a solo guy. And he can be a big play threat downfield. He's got the size. He's got the speed to be able to play that against maybe some corners in the NFL. But you can also be the offset wing, you know, uh, behind a, you know, a guard or a tackle. Or he could even be in the backfield with the quarterback, which I think, you know, you, you do a lot of different stuff. You look at maybe how they did stuff with Taysom Hill when he had to take over his quarterback. They had different types of formations that really benefited. Then obviously when Taysom was at QB, he wasn't the guy that was being used there. But I think when you look at the Joker, it could be like how Taysom Hill was used when he wasn't playing quarterback and he could line up in the backfield at certain times because he's got the size he can block. That is a thing I think that we are going to see a little bit more of from Dulcich this upcoming season. And if he can emerge into what we have seen with Sean Payton historically throughout his career, knowing how to evaluate tight ends, knowing how to put tight ends in a great position to succeed, we're going to see the Broncos offense play a lot better. More importantly, we're going to see production from the tight end position, which Sarah, you and I have talked about this for a multitude. What is it going on three years now? Denver has needed a guy who could be a legitimate playmaker at the tight end position. They've had guys who had the potential to do it, but then you look at scheme, you look at quarterback. Greg Dulcich is a guy that I feel like it doesn't matter who's a quarterback. He is a guy who can produce for you in many ways. And I think Sean Payton plans to maximize that overall value this upcoming season. And you need that to happen here. I mean, because you you look at the talent for how how big he is. And, and I can't stress this enough to fans. Look, if you get to come off to, for training camp, make sure you say hi. Come, you know, make sure I, you know, I'll go through the line. I'll, I'll try to say hi and try to meet up with as many Broncos fans as possible. But when you're at training camp, I want you to watch Greg Dulcich because you didn't get to see him last year in training camp because he had the injury. There was one day where he came in, caught a touchdown, and then he re-aggravated uh, you know, what was going on with his hamstring. But how he moves for how big he is, I, I mean, I can't even, I can't describe it. I can't put it into words. I can't simplify it because you look at the calves and you look at maybe the quads on this dude as he runs. He's got tree trunks, man. He has got tree trunks. And you think if a, a guy that big would move that fast, you're like, ah, there's something's not right here. He truly can move legitimately fast. And that's why I've seen him catch passes over the middle of the field. And then he makes a move and he gets away from defenders. To me, Denver hasn't had a guy like that at that position specifically in quite some time. And it should be exciting if you're a Broncos fan, if he stays healthy. Right. The way he moves is kind of like to me watching the modern NBA. And you see guys like Giannis, who's seven feet tall and can basically be like a point forward type of player and drive the lane and handle the ball. It's like you know, bigger guys like that, you're just, your brain doesn't register that they're supposed to be able to move that quickly in short spaces or that they're supposed to be able to do certain things. But that's kind of the way the NFL is trending anymore, isn't it? To where, like you said, a little bit more positionless on the offensive side of the ball. And I can't wait to see, I mean, obviously at training camp, they may not give away everything. You know, yeah. they may do a little, <laughs> some of these things indoors, but I mean, Greg Dulcich being out there in the backfield and being moved around like, the, the point of him being the Joker, like you mentioned, Cody, it's all about creating those mismatches and finding ways that you can exploit coverage with a guy who can do rare things like that, who, man, he may be in the backfield and teams are thinking, oh, well, the ball is going to Greg Dulcich. And then all of a sudden he's like pulling to the other side of the formation and, and throwing a block. So there's there's just you you mess with the minds of defensive coordinators while you're doing these sorts of things, getting a guy like that involved 
and making him a focal point of the offense. I think that's what leads us to believe that he could be a foundational piece for this team heading into year two, even after the injuries last year. Greg Dulcich is a mismatch player. He's somebody who can really be a focal point for your offense. And I think now going into his second NFL season, I think we're really going to see just Sean Payton's going to exploit a lot of what defenses are trying to do against the Broncos by moving Dulcich around the formation and getting him the ball in creative ways. We're excited to see maybe how things transition into the regular season. Obviously, training camp is fast approaching. The NFL preseason is fast approaching, which means the Broncos football is one step closer to being here. And you know Lockdown Broncos is the place you need to be every single day, all year long, for all the objective coverage you need of what's going on in Dove Valley. We're going to continue this conversation on today's episode of the show as we talk about a third-year player who we really feel like can become a foundational piece at a position that is of the utmost importance in today's NFL. We'll talk about the offensive line. You'll get that on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be the first home run of the game show. Hey, Otani is always a great option there. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly with FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel. America's number one sports book. And you can also bet NFL futures right now as the season is fast approaching. As we all know, Russell Wilson has the seventh best odds right now to win comeback player of the year. If he turns in a tremendous performance under Sean Payton this upcoming season, the Broncos offense takes off. There is a good chance he could increase those odds by the time the midway point of the season comes or even toward the end of the season. So if you believe Russ is going to bounce back, that might be a great NFL futures option for you at FanDuel Sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball and the NFL. We're talking about players on the Denver Broncos roster that could become foundation pieces for this team. And I think as we shift from Greg Dulcich moving inward to the offensive line, I think about the belly. Cody Quinn Miner, somebody who has really emerged in his first two NFL seasons as a legitimate starting guard in the NFL after playing at Division Three Wisconsin Whitewater in college, missing that final year due to the pandemic, really kind of making a name for himself in that all-star circuit there before the 2021 NFL draft. And now, as we've been able to watch his career develop and unfold a little bit, he's entering into a critical juncture where man, a, a big season in 2023 could ultimately lead to maybe some contract extension talks there in 2024. Quinn Miners, he's in position to potentially become a foundation piece for the Denver Broncos offense. And we've talked about it as well. We mentioned how several years ago, the initial belief was that Dalton Reisner could be the foundational pieces for the next 10 years is something that James Palmer said the Broncos believed internally. And unfortunately, when you look at Reisner's situation, it didn't work out. It, it, to me, I'm a little surprised he's still not on an NFL team going into training camp, but we'll see how things play out. But then when the Broncos acquired Quinn Miners, when we went back after that draft, because I think you and I initially were, we were kind of surprised. You know, we, we paid attention to the senior bowl and he was a guy that obviously stood out. But I think we were a little surprised. Like, oh, this guy played Division three. When you go and you watch the tape and it's like, all right, well, he's manhandling everybody. And then I think there were questions. Well, how is he going to do against Division One prospects, NFL prospects? And then you turn on the Senior Bowl tape, 
and you look at what he was able to do, and he's dominating guys like Derek Brown uh, of uh, coming out of Auburn in one-on-one situations. You're like, okay, hey, this guy is earning marks. And when Jim Nagy speaks up and says, hey, Quinn Myers turned in a really impressive performance, you pay attention to what Jim Nagy is saying there. Obviously, he oversees the entire Senior Bowl operation there, and Quinn Myers was one of those guys who came into it I think with, okay, questions. And then his stock immediately rose. And I remember when that pick happened, looking on Twitter, looking on social media, I saw so many other fan bases, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers fans were clamoring for Quinn Miners. And they're like, wow, the Broncos just got an absolute steal here. I think when we can go back right now, despite how bad the offense has been, Quinn Miners has not been a bad part of the offense. He's actually been a bright spot, which has been very promising overall. So it gives you Maybe a glimpse. Of, okay, hey, in that third round, Denver came up with Baron Browning and Quinn Miners. They got two steals in the third round. That right there is an absolute maximum value for general manager George Payton. Might we add, it was his first draft as a GM as well, so that was an impressive thing to build on. But now you have a guy who can emerge as a foundational piece to your offensive line because we saw last year, Sarah, when Quinn went down with that injury in week one, the hamstring against the Seattle Seahawks, the run game, it dissipated. The run game was going really well when he was in there in that first part of the game. Then he had the hamstring, and then things started falling apart for the Broncos offensively. And they didn't really necessarily, I don't, I don't feel like they had a guy who could plug in and maybe maintain that level of production because he was able to pull aggressively. He was their best pulling guard last year, and he was one of the more inconsistent guys in pass protection on the interior where guys like Reisner and Cushenberry, they struggled a little bit. But I would say Cushenberry was much more improved than what we've seen in the past. So he and Miners together were actually doing really well. The other parts of the operation, the offensive line, didn't necessarily work out. So I look at all these factors, and I just see how much better he is and the effort that he gives and the intensity in which he attacks. To me, that's valuable. Not only do you get a guy who's productive on the offensive line, but you get a guy who's got leadership qualities that I think are valuable to that offensive line room. And I think it makes me even more excited about the potential duo of he and Ben Powers this upcoming season. And I want to flash back just a little bit to something that George Payton said when he was originally hired by the Denver Broncos, right? His philosophy has always been draft, develop, and get guys to second contracts, right? And I think as you look at that 2021 NFL draft class, his first class as a general manager in the NFL, we're now getting to the point where you could start to see a, a number of these guys as franchise cornerstones. Obviously, Pat Sertan is one of those guys. He's a We talked about him as a foundational piece. He is that. Now, Quinn Miners, you get to those day two picks where what does George Payton call the day two draft picks? He says that's where you make your hay, right, in the NFL draft. And I think he's done quite well there so far. And Quinn Miners is a, he, he is the perfect example of why you don't draft for need on day two. And as much as I maybe disagreed with the selection of a linebacker in the 2023 NFL draft, I was just having this thought as we were kind of discussing Quinn Miners here and, and, and getting through this show, I was thinking back to that time in 2021, like how surprising it was that the Broncos even drafted him in the first place because they had just used Obviously, like you mentioned, the team really was portraying belief in Dalton Reisner. They had just used a pick the year prior on Lloyd Cushenberry at the center spot. They had just signed Graham Glasgow the year prior to a big money free agent deal. And a lot of people in that 2020 NFL draft really liked Natani Muti and his potential coming, coming forward and thought that he showed some of that in his rookie year. So it was like there's four guys already on the interior offensive line that were kind of just ready and waiting for their opportunity. And then you add a guy like Quinn Miners. It was kind of like, 
that's kind of a head scratching pick, isn't it? Because the, the Broncos didn't really need him. Well, now we see a couple of years later, flash forward back to where we are now. Maybe he's the Broncos best offensive lineman, at least last year, as of last season, right? Maybe their best offensive lineman last season. And now we're talking about him as a potential foundational piece to the team. It's really a testament to the fact that, man, you, you, you don't just draft for need, especially on day two. You go after guys that you believe can eventually become these foundational pieces. And as Sean Payton said, players that you have vision for, not just in year one, but year two, year three, and beyond. And I think Quinn Miners has really lived up to it. He's really an embodiment of that kind of philosophy. 100%. And I also think it, it goes to practice, right? Because the NFL draft, we see all the mock drafts happen every single year. And, you know, when you're getting these certain guys, wherever the Broncos are picking in these mock drafts, and they don't go with that guy, everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy was available. How can it's because organizations have way more information than any of us ever will on these players. And I, I think at this point, look, I, I know George Payton, I know he gets ramped on by the, the, ha the Nathaniel Hackett hiring. I understand that. You also have to factor in Denver didn't have ownership in place, so who else was going to conduct that at that point? So yeah, well, obviously the Hackett decision was obviously not Peyton's best decision. I think what he's done in free agency, I think what he's done so far in the NFL drafts, considering the circumstances of not having capital, I think have been pretty damn good for a general manager spot. And I think it goes to show that, hey, patience is probably super important because you can't just grade guys right away coming out of, okay, these guys were drafted here. Well, let's grade the draft. You have to, they usually say you get three years to really determine where your draft is at and how well they're doing. And I say right now, it's an upward trend right now for that 2021 class here for George Payton and specifically for a guy like Quinn Miners who has continued to accelerate his development. Now, last year under Nathaniel Hackett, he leaned out a little bit. He lost some weight so he could play the outside zone scheme, which we talked about is you need athleticism to be able to do it. Well, now under Sean Payton, he's bulked up and Sean Payton wants him to play, you know, with a little bit more meat on his bones here. And, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, he looks so far, what I've saw there on OTAs, what I've seen during minicamp, granted, no pads. When you're hitting the bags, though, I mean, he's he's hitting the bags harder than anybody else is right now. So I, I this is a guy who plays with piss and vinegar in his veins when it comes to Sundays. And I, I think he is a guy that you want on your offensive line because one thing he's always going to do, he, he's going to protect the quarterback. He He values that. And he doesn't like AFC West division rivals, which I think is always an exciting thing. There's a lot of Chiefs fans mad about, you know, what he said about the whole ring around the rosy thing that they did. I think it makes things a little bit more intriguing. I'm excited for Quinn Miners. He has a chance. He plays really, really well this season. He can secure a contract extension and has been power set as well. He said Sean Payton values guards. And that's why he came to Denver. Well, you know, if he values guards and Quinn Miners continues his ascendance, that's going to mean good things here for the Broncos offensive line and specifically for Quinn Miners as it pertains to maybe securing even more time with the Denver Broncos going forward. Broncos country, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? What are your thoughts on Quinn Miners potentially emerging as a foundational piece for the Broncos offense going forward? Let us know if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. You can always tweet us on Twitter at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. We're going to continue the conversation on today's episode of the show, though, as we take a look at Broncos rookies. Which players do we feel like can eventually emerge into foundational pieces, either on offense or defense? You'll get that on today's episode of the show. Real quick, you've made Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. For your second listen after this, make sure you go check out the Lockdown NFL podcast wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube, available for free. You get all the local experts on the biggest stories going on right now around the National Football League leading up into training camp, the Lockdown NFL podcast. They have you covered.
which Denver Broncos rookie has the best opportunity to emerge into a foundational piece, either for the offense or for the defense going into the future? We're going to throw some interesting questions on today's episode of the show. And as you're listening along or as you're watching along, you want to share your thoughts as well. You can always comment on YouTube, like the video as well for the algorithm, interact with other members of Broncos country, or you can always tweet us on social media as well. We appreciate you so much, Broncos country, for taking time out of your day to make us your first listen. You make the show exactly what it is for all your objective coverage every single day, all year long. Lockdown Broncos is the place to be. This is an interesting question here, Sarah. When we look at this year's 2023 NFL rookie draft class here for the Broncos, considering the circumstances, not having a first round pick, Denver obviously moved up a couple of times in this year's draft to acquire what they feel like are some very good players. Their first pick of the 2023 NFL draft was Marvin Mims, obviously an electrifying wide receiver out of Oklahoma who has all the tools in his arsenal to be a deep downfield threat for this offense, can he maybe emerge as a foundational piece here for the Broncos offense? What would that look like coming into a room that has guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and others? How can Marvin Mims maybe emerge into a foundational piece for the future? I want to just throw out a few names here, Cody. How about uh, how about Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, Ted Ginn Jr.? All of those guys in New Orleans became major pieces of the Sean Payton offense. Why? What, what do we remember those guys doing for Sean Payton? We remember them blowing the top off the defense, and that's exactly what I think Marvin Mims is going to be able to do. Not saying he's going to be specifically any one of those guys, but you can kind of see the similarities, right? Those are, those are guys that have been known over their NFL careers as not necessarily just one-trick ponies, but, I mean, really their, their primary strength is their speed and their ability to affect in the return game as well, at least in Ted Ginn's case, for sure. I can't remember Devery Henderson and Robert Meacham, whether they did that. But I think that the, the point stands that those guys were all a very effective deep threats in Sean Payton's offense. I think that's how Marvin Mims. And that seems like that's the low hanging fruit, isn't it? Of course, and there's more to Marvin Mims's game than just running, you know, go long, go long on hut. That's the play that we run for Marvin Mims, right? But but that's what he does best, and that's what he's very effective at is running by people. But not just that, he's very, very effective at making contested catches downfield. And I think that you see that more and more the more you watch him at Oklahoma. It's a very impressive skill for a smaller receiver to have to be able to fight for the ball at the catch point. He can do that exceptionally well, and that's what I think makes him such an effective downfield threat. It's not just, hey, when you're wide open, you go make that play. It's, you know, you look at the Tyler Lockett's of the world who are able to, when the ball gets threaded through a uh, through the eye of the needle, can you make that catch over the shoulder? Or can you make that adjustment to the ball in the air as it's coming over, you know, your uh, the, the opposite way you thought it was going to come? Can you do the, he does those things well. That's why I think is going to make him a foundational piece eventually in this offense. Those names that you just mentioned in terms of comparisons, I think he can be here in 2023, but then a name I think of as well from former New Orleans Saints glory is who he can become in terms of becoming foundational. I think of Marcus Colston a lot and, and that type of role that maybe he played there for Drew Brees and for Sean Payton and the Saints. So yeah, I think he's got the ability to do that here. Obviously, I think we're all curious to see how does he fit in with all the wide receiver depth going on right now? What might the Broncos do? To utilize him that's something we are looking forward to seeing now let's go to this next player here as well and, and i think when you look at his his character makeup who he is as a human being his discipline that he has and who he is as a football player i mean he has all the tools that make sense to becoming a future foundational piece on defense and that is drew sanders obviously the rookie draft selection in the third round out of arkansas 
And when you watch this guy play, you can just see how how talented of a player he is. And, you know, when you pull on the college tape, when you watch him at rookie minicamp that we saw, he was easily the best player on the field. And for me, you factor in, okay, well, how can he maybe become a foundational piece? Well, I think you look at where Josie Jewell is at right now. Obviously, Josie's been terrific for the Broncos, right? But he's in the final year of his contract. And if the Broncos envision Drew Sanders taking the mantle and eventually running with it, you have to ask yourself a question. Can he become a foundational piece of the defense? I think he can. I think he's got the athletic tools, the physical tools, and he's got the leadership qualities. And this guy is so plugged in, like just football 101 plugged in, locked into it the entire time that he does. He could be a foundational piece for the Broncos defense in the future. Do we see that happening this year? I don't think we see it in 2023, but I think maybe in 2024, he could take the mantle if, in fact, the Broncos decide to change what they want to do at inside linebacker if they don't extend Josie and they give the opportunity to a guy like Drew Sanders. Yeah, he's a son of a coach, right? And so we see that in his game, right? Just being asked to do a little bit of everything, whether it was in high school, hey, you're getting the ball every play. I don't know, you know. Uh, you're going to be the punt returner. You're going to be the kick returner. You're going to be the kicker, punter. And then taking that into the college ranks where he, uh, again, I, I brought this up before, but I think it's very interesting factoid about this guy. He was being recruited by Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma to be the next Mark Andrews at the tight end position. So he's a versatile athlete. He can do a lot of different things. And could we he saw at, Hill? Could he? Hey, I mean, just give <laughs> Drew Sanders the ball, baby. Let's see what happens. But I think you look at him defensively, maybe the defensive version of that, right? It's like, well, what is he going to do on this play? Is he going to drop into coverage? Is he going to attack the line of scrimmage? Is he going to blitz? Is he going to be a pass rusher? on? Because he can play all those different spots there. So I remember, he was the backup to Will Anderson Jr. at Alabama. That's why he wasn't getting on the field there. And then he transitions to Arkansas, where he becomes more of an off-ball linebacker and really excels, became a first-team All-American. So... There's so much, there's just like, there's so much more that he's capable of, I think, that we haven't yet seen him fully grow. That's why I think you and I agree. Maybe not a foundational piece this year, but maybe, hey, maybe I'm selling him short there. Maybe he will end up being that because we'll we'll find out. The Broncos clearly prioritized him over other areas of quote-unquote need that they might have had. So maybe they do have a vision for him in year one that involves becoming quickly a foundational piece. Now we're excited to see here with Drew Sanders this upcoming season. Now, another name we're going to throw out here too, Riley Moss, a guy who's got a ton of experience, obviously at Iowa, played there for five seasons, was a captain, and is considered one of the most valuable Hawkeyes in recent memory. Obviously, it, it's tough to play at that at that school. There's a certain level of requirements that the coaching staff demands of you, and Riley Moss, he fit that to a T. You know, he came in and made an immediate impact, and over the course of his career, he was what you really would call a true Hawkeye in the sense there. And so for him, could he maybe emerge into a foundational piece on the defensive side? Well, I think that's a huge question considering, okay, you got Sertan, Damari Mathis had a really good rookie season. Can he continue to build on that? And if he does, what does that mean for a guy like Riley Moss? Yeah, exactly. I think he's one of those guys that you look at as, you know, former preferred walk-on at Iowa who got into Phil Parker's defense very quickly. And like you said, that's rare for a lot of players. It's not, not many guys get on the field that quickly, especially preferred walk-ons, right? What, like, what are we even talking about here? So Riley Moss, tremendous athlete, knows how to attack the football, creates turnovers, very much so the Iowa defense in recent years reminiscent of, I don't know how many listeners used to watch the Chicago Bears back in the heyday with, you know, Brian Urlacher, Peanut Tillman, all those guys. 
that defense that was dogs. one of the all-time best absolute dogs out there. It felt like the last few years at Iowa, like the they were this the version of that Bears defense, right? Like the Bears weren't going to score a lot with Rex Grossman at QB, so they had to rely on the defense to score a lot of their touchdowns. And then Devin Hester in the return game, very similar vibes for the Iowa Hawkeyes the last few years. And it felt like Riley Moss was kind of like the the peanut Tillman of that group, right? Where it's just, hey, you need a forced fumble. Boom, Riley Moss got you. You need a pick six. Hey, Riley Moss is going to go get his hands on the ball and he's going to run around the field for 10 minutes trying to score a touchdown because he probably knows this might be our best chance to score all day. So he has that type of just instinct and, and a, a innate ability in this game that you kind of just watch him and you feel like you're watching somebody who has has been playing at a professional level, even dating back to his college days. So I'm going to be fascinated to see how quickly that transfers to the NFL. Broncos country, we want to hear from you. Who do you think from the Broncos rookie class this upcoming season can emerge on the offense or defensive side of the ball as foundational players, players you want to build your franchise around in the future? Let us know if you're watching on YouTube. Comment on the video. Like the video as well for the algorithm. Interact with other members of Broncos country who share their thoughts. And if you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, you can always tweet us on social media at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Lockdown Broncos. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would mean the world to us if you'd go. If you love listening to Lockdown Broncos, please go leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you tune in every single day. We appreciate you so much, Broncos country, for making us part of your day every single day. We have you covered as we take a look throughout this week. ESPN came out with some rankings about what the Broncos' biggest strength is from a positional standpoint, what their weakest point is. We're going to discuss and debate whether or not we agree or disagree with them. You'll get that on tomorrow's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.